Well, this morning we are going to continue in the sermon series we've been in through most of the summer called Rhythms of Life. And this is a, a series where we are diving in to the uh, spiritual disciplines or spiritual rhythms that God has given us. And we're diving into those with the goal of discovering how they empower our lives, how they deepen our faith in Jesus and how they position us to walk daily in the presence of God. And if you have missed any of these sermons, I really would encourage you to go to our website and watch them. They are a blessing. I think they'll be an encouragement to your walk with Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to look into another one of these spiritual rhythms, another one of these uh, spiritual disciplines, and that is the rhythm of fasting. Fasting. Now, I know some of you right now just thought, why am I here? I knew I should have stayed home. He is going to talk about this. Can we sneak out without being seen? The answer is no. I see you. You can't leave. You're in here. All right? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to dive into this issue of fasting. And this week, as I was kind of praying and writing, one of the things that I thought was, you know, I've literally grown up in church. I'm a preacher's kid. I don't have memories that don't <laughs> include the church. I, I think I was born there. I mean, I, I, well, I've just been in church all of my life, and I've heard sermons about all the spiritual disciplines from uh, reading God's Word and meditating on it, memorizing it, praying without ceasing, surfing, serving, living generously, all of these spiritual disciplines. And I thought, you know, I haven't heard very many sermons devoted to the issue of fasting. And I think there's just a, uh, I think there are a couple reasons why we just don't talk about this very much. And I think the first reason is this, we don't really understand it. We don't really understand why God has prescribed it in his word. We don't really understand how to do it or why to do it and the purpose of it. And so like anything else that we don't understand, we tend to avoid, right? And so I think that's one of the reasons. The other reason I think we don't talk about fasting a lot is because fasting um, more, really probably more than any other spiritual discipline creates in us a felt absence, right? That we feel fasting, right? So it creates this longing in our bodies and in our lives for something that we know we need or something we know we, we like or want. Meaning that when we fast, we are keenly aware that we are doing without something we need, right? And we feel it. And we don't like to feel that sense of want. So I think those are a couple of reasons we, we, we don't hear a lot and talk a lot about fasting. And listen, while fasting is a subject we don't talk a lot about, it is uh, incredibly important that we understand it because our willingness to uh, pursue God through fasting, which by the way, that's the purpose of every spiritual discipline. Every one of them have the purpose of pursuing God, knowing God, being in his presence. And it's important that we understand our willingness to pursue God through fasting is one of the primary indicators of our spiritual health and, and, our, and our maturity in Christ. And so this is a very important spiritual rhythm and discipline. And the reason it's an indicator of our spiritual health is because when we pursue God through fasting, we are declaring him to be all satisfying. We're declaring him to be all satisfying. Fasting is um, a declaration that we find God 
infinitely more fulfilling than anything else we might be doing without. It's that mark. It's a spiritual health indicator because it is a mark on the life of the people of God who have feasted at the table of God and tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So it's this mark on our lives as we grow in our relationship with Jesus. And and it's just this thing that says, because I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, I cannot be satisfied with lesser things. And so fasting says, I will do without those lesser things in order to attain more of the best thing. And that's kind of what it is. And so I wanted to give you a, a definition of biblical fasting. This is, I hope, a simple definition um, that'll help you. It kind of helps me in, in the way that I think about it, and it's this. Biblical fasting is the intentional abstaining from something natural so that through intensive prayer and scripture, we might take hold of something supernatural. I'm going to leave that up for a minute. It's the intentional abstaining from something natural, like food, right? And so that through intensive prayer and scripture, we might take hold of something supernatural, right? It's it's abstaining from the physical in order to gain the spiritual. Notice I said biblical fasting. The reason I say that is because people fast for all kinds of reasons, right? Uh, Fasting is kind of a fad. Have you guys heard of intermittent fasting, right? Has anybody ever done that? I made it about 45 minutes, and then I was looking for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, okay? And so there's intermittent, fa- there's, there's all kinds of reasons people fast. They do it for health reasons. They do it for uh, self-discipline reasons. But in biblical fasting, while those things may be there, they are certainly a side issue. They're a side benefit because the primary focus, the greater purpose in biblical fasting is to know God. It is to experience his presence. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at one of the conversations Jesus had about fasting. So grab your Bible, go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 18. And what we're looking in on is a conversation that Jesus was having with some people. And there were several groups, I think, represented in this group of people. Some were uh, his disciples, the disciples of Christ. Some were the disciples of John the Baptist. Uh, Some were Pharisees. And some were people who just knew about all of those groups, and they uh, were just near Jesus. He always had a crowd around him. And there's this conversation that rises up, and um, the disciples of John the Baptist are wondering that they've been fasting. The Pharisees are fasting, and John the Baptist's disciples are fasting, and because these are still uh, Jewish men who are following the Jewish law, and because there were prescribed fasts throughout the year, they were observing one of those. And the, the disciples of John the Baptist, I think, were genuinely confused at why the disciples of Jesus weren't fasting. And so they asked a, a, a question. Now, the Pharisees are there too, but they don't really care why. All they're trying to do is trap Jesus because if they can get him to, um, if they can prove he doesn't follow the law of God, then they can discredit him and they can disqualify him. And so, That's kind of the nature of the conversation we see. So jump into verse 18 with me, and it says this in Mark chapter 2. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, 
but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guest feast, or excuse me, can the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But the new wine is for fresh wineskins. Here's what Jesus is telling the Pharisees and the disciples of John and the people that were standing around, he, was, he is confirming to them, I am doing a new thing. You can't take the new thing I'm doing and the new covenant I'm building and put it into your old system. It's not going to work. It's going to be like new cloth on old cloth. It's going to tear. It's going to be like new wine into old wineskins. It'll blow them up. I'm doing a new thing. And I am calling you to pay attention to that thing. That's what Jesus is saying here. And you may be saying this morning, you know, Pastor Matt, I, I don't know that I really need to fast, right? I, I don't have a felt need for that in my life. Uh, it, it's not a rhythm I've ever kept in my life, and I seem to be doing great. Our church is doing great. Um, sometimes we think fasting just seems kind of extreme in our relationship with the Lord. God, it just seems really kind of out there. Um, let me ask you a question. Is there in your life a deepening of your dependence on God? Is there a deepening of your, is there a deepening in your life of your desire for his presence? Is that a, is that a growing part of your life? Is there a hunger for him that exceeds the desire for anything else? If you have to say, well, wait a minute, may, maybe I'm not there, then I want you to know fasting is one of the rhythms, the disciplines that God has given us to do that work, to grow that desire, to deepen that longing, to find satisfaction in Him. And that's what I want us to pursue together this morning. So let me give you some biblical context for fasting. Let's just kind of see if we can see where it came from so that we can start to navigate through it. Fasting is not a new idea. Um, it has been around since the beginning of the Old Testament. We see God institute it in Leviticus chapter 16 uh, in, in accordance with the Day of Atonement. He prescribed a one-day fast, that one day a year. But what we start to see through the New Testament is the people of God begin to fast for a number of reasons. They fast over the morning of their sin, brokenness in their life. They fast for God's provision and his protection and his presence. But fasting in the Old Testament, uh, at its core, was always a yearning and a longing for God to redeem and restore his people. It was always looking forward and longing for Messiah to come and establish the kingdom of God. That's what fasting was in the Old Testament. But something changed because by the time Jesus comes on the scene, um, the Pharisees and the writers of the law had taken fasting and pulled it out of that context. 
And they had begun to prescribe fasting on Mondays and twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. And then on these extra festivals and on these, and they begin to use fasting as a way to demonstrate their own spiritual piety, right? To elevate them above everyone else and to, to kind of demonstrate their spiritual authority, which is why in Matthew six, Jesus says, Hey, you know how the Pharisees walking around, they, did you see that? How the Pharisees walk around, they look frail and they're looking all, they look all deformed and they disfigure their faces because they want you to notice their fasting. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, don't do that. When you fast, you wash your face, you anoint your head with oil, you square your shoulders and you don't tell a soul because your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And so with the Pharisees, they had taken the issue of fasting and hijacked it so that fasting was the focus, not the kingdom of God. But listen, in biblical fasting, it will always draw our eyes up toward the kingdom of God. We'll always draw our eyes up. It's always there to create a longing for the presence and power of God in our lives. And so as we look at this conversation Jesus has, I think there are uh, some things we can take away uh, from this that kind of help us understand how fasting does this. Here's the first one. Fasting reminds me of my dependence on Jesus. Fasting reminds me of my dependence on Jesus. You know, I said earlier, one of the reasons we struggle to fast is because in fasting, there is a felt absence, right? There is uh, a felt absence of something we want, something we need. When you go without food, you're going to feel what? Hungry. You're going to feel hungry. And feeling hungry, feeling that lack, feeling that desire reminds us that our bodies are weak, that we are not enough. And that reminder is meant to drive us to complete dependence on Jesus, look at what he says in verse 19 and 20. He says, can the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away, taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. You see, while the disciples were with Jesus, they had everything they needed, right? And even though there were times when their faith was weak, and yes, there were times they struggled daily, sometimes hourly, they were being filled up and renewed by the power and presence of Jesus because he was right there with them. They got to see him. They got to touch him. They got to hug him. They got to sit at meals with him. They rested. I mean, they spent three years with him, but the day was coming when they would feel that weakness in their faith, when they would struggle, when they would face hardship and he wouldn't be with them, right? When they would need his supernatural power, but wouldn't have the blessing of his physical presence. And Jesus is saying, when that day comes, my disciples will fast. Why? Because on that day, they will have a felt need for me and for my presence like never before. They will need the supernatural nourishment to their souls. Can anybody else in here use a little more of that? Supernatural nourishment to your souls. Jesus said, my disciples will fast when I'm gone because in fasting, 
we as his disciples are going to wage war against our dependence on lesser things. Now think about that for a moment. Would anybody else in this room be able to confess with me that there have been times you find yourself dependent for nourishment on things that are worth less than the heart of God? This guy, right? Jesus said, when I go, my disciples are going to fast. And the reason they're going to fast is because it's going to remind them to let go of the other things that they're depending on to sustain them and to let me sustain them supernaturally with my presence. So that for believers in Jesus Christ, more than the air we breathe, more than the water we drink, more than the food we eat, we need the power and the presence of God. And fasting reminds us of that dependence on him. Here's the second thing I think we see. Fasting reminds me that nothing satisfies like Jesus. That nothing satisfies like Jesus. You know, last year, I started a little tradition with uh, my sons, which was if they made a certain level of grades, um, that we would go to uh, Texas de Brazil and Tyler. Has anybody eaten there? Okay. So for the four of you that are living your life to the glory of God, I want you to acknowledge that place is ridiculously good. It is crazy. If you've never been to Texas Day Brazil, it's a Brazilian steakhouse where you sit down, and when, when you sit down, waiters begin to arrive, and what they have are skewers about this long of every kind of delicious meat you can imagine. And they walk up to your table and go, sir, would you like this? Why, yes. How'd you know? Put that right there, sir. And then the next one would come up, sir, what about this? You know what? I was watching you. Put what you got on the plate. And they just keep bringing it. And they bring it, and you do that until you can't do that anymore, Right? And I'm telling you, we went last year and we had a ball. It was one of the best meals we've had. But do you know what happened the next day when we got up? We felt hungry. We felt hungry. Why? Because that food was never meant to satisfy for more than a few hours. It was never meant to satisfy us. For, but listen, don't we do that? In this world, don't we? I think there's too many believers, and God knows I'm one, who will gobble up anything the world has to offer because it'll make me feel satisfied for a few hours. And Jesus is saying his disciples fast because they found a greater satisfaction. They fast for the greater thing. John Piper said this, he said, if you don't feel a strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, for his presence, it is not because you have drunk too deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world, your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. That didn't feel good, but it's true. If we aren't finding ourselves longing for the power and the presence of God in our life, listen, believer, it isn't because we've drank too deeply at the well of Jesus. It's because we've nibbled too much at the world and we'll, we're filled up with little things and we've left no room for the great thing. 
Because believers that are feasting on the great thing can't help but just continue to feast more and more. And the more I know, the more I want to know. And the more I have of Christ, the more I want to have of Christ. The more I discover of him, the more I'm driven to discover more about him. This is why he says for us to continually be working out our salvation, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's a feast that does not end. And it satisfies like nothing else. Christian fasting is is that deeper hunger for God that is awakened by the favor and the grace we have already received in Jesus Christ. Think about that. Biblical fasting is an acknowledgement of a deeper hunger for God that has been stirred up in us because what we have received in Jesus Christ. It is not us declaring to God, look at me. Look at what I'm doing for you. Look at all I've given up for you. Look how I'm willing to let go. No, it is not us looking. It is not us asking God to look at us. It is us looking intensely at him and discovering how he satisfies more than anything else. That's that's why we fast. Biblical fasting is the declaration that I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good from Psalm 34. Biblical fasting is is declaring, my eyes have seen the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, that's John 1. Biblical fasting is, is saying, I have received that easy yoke, that light burden, and I have found the rest for my soul that Jesus promised in Matthew 11. Biblical fasting is saying, I have taken and I have drank deeply of the living water and I have found satisfaction and I want more of it from John 4. Biblical fasting is the declaration that says, I long to pull my feet back up at that table he's prepared before me in the presence of my enemy where he anointed my head with oil and my cup overflowed from Psalm 23. Biblical fasting says, I have experienced him and nothing will satisfy me except him. That's biblical fasting. It's being willing to say, I can do without if it means gaining more. But boy, does that not fly in the face of everything in our culture. (laughs) It just does. I am telling you, I have done a poor job of practicing this discipline, and I have done a poor job of shepherding my family to practice this discipline. Because, believe it or not, preachers just like you, sometimes we nibble at the world and fill up on things that don't matter. But I want to pull my feet up and my chair up to the table that he prepared where he caused my cup to overflow. How do I do that? Sometimes it means I hit pause on the other things that I'm using to satisfy. And I remember that I find that nothing satisfies like Jesus. That's why Jesus said the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away and then they will fast. Why? Because they're going to long for the satisfaction they had when I was with them. Fasting reminds me that nothing satisfies like Jesus. Here's the last thing I think I see. Fasting reminds me that Jesus is coming again. 
It reminds me that Jesus is coming again. Read verse 19 and 20 with me one more time. Look at these. Jesus said, can the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. You see, what the disciples uh, don't yet understand is what Jesus is talking about. They don't understand that the day is coming when he's going to go away, but he is already preparing them for his death and his burial, his resurrection, and then his ascension. Jesus knows the day is coming when he will no longer be with him. And he is saying, when that day comes, those who are mine will long for my return. Why? Because they've experienced me. And they will long for me to come back. You know, Carrie and I have been married 21 years. She's a blessed lady, I'll tell you that. And uh, <laughs> 21 years. And uh, in, that se- in those seasons, uh, there have been times when we've had to have extended time away from one another. Uh, there were some times when I was in graduate school, I had to travel for a couple weeks or long mission trips overseas where we'd be apart for 10 days or two weeks, and something would happen about day two or three. I would really, really start to miss her. I'd just really start to miss her, and I was like, gosh, I miss, I just miss her. And, uh, but something different would happen around day eight or nine. Missing her became this deep longing in my heart to be near her. It, it, it became something other than just missing. There was this longing, and I started, it, it, it almost hurt. Have you ever been away from someone you love so long, you feel like you feel it physically? That starts to happen around day eight or nine, and I, am, I start to become very anxious to get back home. But listen, if that's how I long for my wife after 10 days, how much more? How much more should there be a longing in my heart for the presence and the return of Jesus? Do you believe he's coming again? I think every believer ought to wake up and pray, God, if it's today, let it be so, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord. Because in his absence, there is a yearning in our hearts for his return. The bride is always going to long for the groom. Are you with me? He's the bridegroom. That's how he described, he used that picture of the wedding. He's the bridegroom. His church is the bride. And he's saying, when I go, my bride is going to long for my return. And one of the ways they will express that longing is through fasting. It reminds us that Jesus will come again. So what does this practically look like in our lives? Again, one of the reasons I think we struggle to do it is we really don't know how to do it, don't know how to get started. How do we fast? What do we fast from? How long do I fast, right? There's all these questions. How do I make this a regular rhythm in my life. And so I want to give you some practical suggestions for how to uh, start fasting. And if you have this as a spiritual discipline, great. I pray these suggestions will help you stay faithful to that. Here's the first one. 
Start small. Okay? Start small. Why? Because if you've never fasted and you try to fast for a week, you're going to last about 45 minutes like I did, and you're going to start looking for a biscuit. I promise you. Okay? Start small. So what does start small mean? It means pick a meal. Just one. We say, you know what? I'm going to fast from this one meal today. Just going to pick one meal. And what you may find after a week or two of taking that one meal each week is that after a couple weeks, you go, you know what? Today I'm going to try to fast from two meals today. And then you may work your way up to a 24-hour fast. But start small uh, and, and don't go from zero to too long. It, it becomes a very defeating thing. Start small. Here's the next thing. Have a plan. Have a plan. Remember, fasting isn't merely an act of self-deprivation. It is a spiritual discipline for seeking more of God's fullness, which means we should have a plan for how we're going to pursue God in the time we would normally eat. You know, I've thought often how much time I spend in my life just in three meals where there's food in front of me. And when we take time to fast, what we're saying is I'm going to scoot that aside and I'm going to take this time that I would normally put that into my body and I'm going to pursue God in his word and in prayer. And so your fasting needs to have a plan. It needs to have a purpose. What are you fasting for? Are you fasting because um, you need wisdom in a decision you've got to make? Are you fasting because you're looking for deliverance from a sin that you're struggling with? Are you fasting because you just know you need more of the presence of God in your life? Have a plan. Have a purpose. Because without a plan and a purpose, it isn't biblical fasting. You're just going hungry. right? So have a plan. Start small. Have a plan. Here's the next one. Fast alone and fast together. What do I mean by that? The traditional way we see fasting described in God's word is in the individual, right? Jesus said in Matthew 6, you fast in your closet. You don't tell a soul what you're doing. But we also see God prescribed throughout his word that he wanted the whole church to fast, his entire nation to fast and pray. And so for some of you, you may find Um, that you're able to stay encouraged more and to stay faithful to it if you do it with some brothers and sisters in Christ and y'all are pursuing God together for something and holding one another accountable and staying connected and keeping one another encouraged. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. Fast alone, fast together. Here's the last thing. It is okay to fast from something other than food. Okay? It's okay to fast from something other than food. What we know is there there are medical conditions that exist where just deciding not to eat is not okay. That's not all right. You have to eat for medications you take for for health reasons. And so for some of you saying, I'm going to skip a meal isn't real. It isn't a reality. So that doesn't mean you're off the hook because the reality is there's all kinds of fasting we can do. What do you mean? I mean, some of you in this room right now, starting today, need to hit pause on social media for about 48 hours. <laughs> and then sit back in amazement at how much time you got put back into your life when you weren't staring at that screen and all the flashing lights, right? 
Some of you need to fast from looking into other people's life trying to make it satisfy your life. Okay, that's a separate sermon. Y'all about to get me sideways. I'm not preaching that. Some of you, though, need to be willing to fast from anything with a screen. How many hours do you spend staring at something that has a screen on it? Television, your computer, you're playing a game. You can fast. Some of you have hobbies that you love, and you look to those hobbies to put joy and satisfaction in your life. And you do that and have replaced the pursuit of God to do that. And maybe you need to hit pause on that hobby. Right? For most of us, skipping a meal, 24-hour fast, is not a big deal. Here's the, physical, here's the thing you got to do. You do need to drink fluid, have a Gatorade. It's all right. But start small, have a plan, do it alone, do it together, and know that it's okay to fast from something other than food. What's the purpose? It's this. I dare you to give Jesus an opportunity to fill that moment in that season with his presence and power. To take a meal, to take a day, and say, God, I'm going to pursue you today in your word and in prayer and I'm asking you to fill me up and satisfy and see what God will do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and, and uh, Lord, just for the joy of being your sons and daughters. Thank you for the way you satisfy us, God. I pray you would forgive everything that I do to try to satisfy where only you can God, I pray that I will fix my eyes on you, that I will remember my utter dependence on you, that I will remember the complete satisfaction I find in you, and that I will remember that you are coming again. So Lord, I pray that for us as a church that you would give us joy and, and excitement about this spiritual rhythm and that you would help us make it a reality in our lives. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.